0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writingexcuses. Season 14. Episode 2.
1: This is Writing Excuses, Geography and Biomes. Fifteen minutes long. Because
2: you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Mahatab. And Mahatab, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast with us.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Will you tell us a little about yourself?
3: Um, all right. Well, first of all, let me start with my name. It means Pers- in, in Persian, it means moonlight, and I was named by my grandmother. I have done uh, everything from hotel management to uh, credit card sales to IT sales, and writing is actually my fourth career. And I think I'm going to. Sk- with this one, um, I absolutely love writing science fiction, fantasy. Though I have written fantasy before in my Tara trilogy, I'm trying to work on science fiction, and you know, I'm just looking forward to uh, continuing writing for as long as I live.
2: We are super <laughs> excited to have you. Um, Hatab is going to be helping us on the second week of the month episodes um, this All year, year. Long. so you'll be able to hear a lot from her. Uh, we're talking geography and biomes this year. I figured starting off world building we would start right at the fundamental the actual geography of the worlds that we create. <laughs> so i want to ask you guys where do you start when you're building geography when you're building a world what's your what's your start point?
4: I ask myself and i'm going to i'm going to go back to elemental genres i ask myself what i need the geography to do. Okay. If i need sense of wonder that is a very different geography than if i need uh, than if I'm writing a mystery and the geography is factoring into the mystery. Um, in uh, in I, large measure, that is because if I want sense of wonder, I have to break out the wordsmithing and I have to talk about the colors and the sights and the smells and the 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 feeling of the air and and all of these things in a way that's very different than if I want it to be puzzling. Yeah, I've seen a lot of sense of
2: wonder in your writing— Give me an example of geography you might use if you were doing the mystery
4: instead. Um putting you on the spot. No, no, no. That that that's fine. Um I'm I'm writing right now uh, uh a novel set on a desert planet mm-hmm. which has a thriving atmosphere, even though there is nothing growing on the surface. Okay. And part of that mystery is everybody's afraid to go outside. I mean, you don't go outside because it's radioactive. There's not enough, there's not enough electromagnetic field. The science behind this says if you go outside, you will eventually die of cancer. Why is there an atmosphere? And so you have this fear of being outside and this puzzle about what is it underground ...that keeps pumping fresh oxygen to us, that keeps drawing carbon dioxide in. And that puzzle is central to the whole book. Awesome. But there's also going to be sense of wonder in there because big old desert. Yeah.
1: I I do a very similar thing, actually. I will look at what I need the world, what I need the geography to accomplish... Uh, in the middle grade that I'm writing right now, I was trying to figure out, you know, they, they have, it's science fiction and they arrived at a brand new planet. And so I was I looked at the outline and realized that the actual function, like the size of the continents, what the land around it is like, wasn't as important as like the, the physics of the world. I wanted to have very low gravity. I wanted to have very high density in the atmosphere, um, you know, things like that in order to make certain things work. Can you tell and, us what any of those are without giving spoilers? Or yeah, well, curious. it's it's uh, this is actually the sequel to uh, Zero G, which is my big uh, middle grade audio book. In that one, they are go they are going to a planet, and it all takes place in zero or microgravity, where you can fly basically. I wanted to have a similar feeling in the second book, and so I actually talked to a bunch of physicists, and we came up with a combination of gravity and atmospheric pressure and things that would basically allow you to fly on muscle power. Um, And then looking at that, realized, oh, well, okay, if the atmosphere is dense enough to provide buoyancy, it's also going to be narcotic. And so how can we work around that? And basically producing an environment in which the little middle grade protagonists could have a lot of fun and do a lot of cool things. And making sure that I had the atmosphere chemically composed so that it would be narcotic rather than poisonous so that it would make you kind of loopy and giggly rather than kill you uh was very important for the middle grade as well um whereas if i'm doing you know the the fantasy series that i'm trying to write that isn't as important what i need is you know different kingdoms that can be at war with each other why are they at war with each other well there's a geographical answer to that as well
3: um When I started writing out, I wanted something uh, that was more familiar to me. So at least my first four novels are set in India. And I just feel that because every component of a story, whether it's setting or character or plot or pacing, everything has to work together. It would be easy if new writers, or at least especially for me, to start with one component that I knew really, really well. So which is why, I mean, I don't have to spend too much time. I All I need to do is close my eyes and I can imagine myself in India, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the touch, tastes, everything. And that is why that is one component that's kind of taken care of. As you progress towards getting, you know, better at writing, at making sure that everything works, then I think you can, you know, start working on fantasy lands where, you know, where you do need to do a bit of research, go to experts that could probably tell you a little bit more about that. I mean, you could probably put some more effort into the geography. So for me, I like to start with the familiar. And in fact, you know, the next novel that I'm going to be working on is Set on Mars. And now it, that's a little bit difficult to try and, you know, figure out what the what the place is going to be like. <laughs> you know, you have to rely on on lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yes. I, I, I like to start with the familiar and then move to to something that's made up.
4: There's so much to be said for the familiar as something that is immersive for the reader. Uh, The sugar sand beaches in Sarasota, Florida, where I grew up, Uh, some details. One, when you walk barefoot in that sand, it's hard. It pushes out of the way and you, you end up taking different kinds of steps. You sort of do this shuffle step. The humidity is cloying and every time I've stepped off a plane in Florida, I've, I've taken one breath and realized, oh, that's right. Oh, (laughs) oh that. And then, and this is, this is something that people often don't think of. Uh, we get on those beautiful white beaches, you can have a snow blindness from the glare. And these are all things that I've experienced and I know well enough that I can write about them when I am talking about a desert because they all fit just well enough that I can, I can leverage that. When you were writing about India, were you picking a specific
2: city that you knew or were you creating a a made-up one?
3: It was made up. I mean, the the little town of Morni in Mm -hmm. northern India was made up, but everything else, it's like, you know, the foods or the... smells or the cultures and the customs of the people. That was, you know, I mean, I've I've lived in India, so I, I know. And then, of course, you could tweak a little bit, but it started out with a familiar base of what it is like. And then I kind of changed it around. Um, I put a lot of Indian mythology in it, which kind of added a, a bit more texture and flavor to the story. So, yeah, I mean, and, and of course, you know, India is vast. you, It's got lots of, Languages, cultures. So, you know, what happens in North India doesn't happen in South India. But the fact is that you, because it was a made-up little town, I could add bits and pieces and still get that, you know, authenticity in 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 the in the narrative. Yeah.
4: I recently watched a documentary about the the monsoon season mm-hmm. in Southern India and the way it shapes weather all over the globe, and it, it was utterly fascinating. And, and the documentary, you know, we, you, you look at the towns, the villages, the communities in that area and how, yeah, they, they really have two times of the year, which is monsoon and everything else.
5: Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.
4: Oh, yes, Um, I have a history book for you written by my friend Mike Cole. It's called Legion versus Phalanx. It's his first history book, and I am absolutely in love with the voice that he uses for teaching us history, uh, specifically teaching us about the Roman Legion and the the Greek, the Hellenistic phalanx, and, and how those two how those two related. Um, the fundamental question is, well, who would win? And we all think we know the answer. Well, the Romans would win because that's who, won. because they <laughs> did. Um, but the why behind that is is kind of the meat of the book. And Mike takes Mike takes all kinds of angles in discussing this, including, and that's why I want to do that one this week, including geography. Uh, and you know, one of the fascinating facts is that the Roman legion can turn more quickly than a phalanx can. And so if you're fighting on the flat, maybe it's a level, pardon the pun, playing field. But the moment there are hills or trees or whatever, the Legion has an advantage. And that's just, that's just scratching the surface. The book is awesome. I think you'll love it. Uh, Mike Cole, Legion versus Phalanx. Dan, you said something
2: earlier that uh, relates to this idea with mm-hmm. Legion versus Phalanx, where you said if you're designing a fantasy world, you would take the geography into account for developing the politics, the governments, the yeah. systems. Talk a little bit more about that. How would you do that?
1: Well, um, in 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 this particular instance, this is a book I've been working on for a long time, and it still is not out and, and may never be, but um, I needed— it, the premise is that the, the fantasy world is also a reality show that people from other planets watch. And one of the main shows that got everyone's attention was this kind of ongoing War of the Roses style thing where there was, you know, the constantly moving border. Uh, you know, you look historically at the War of the Roses between the French and the English and the definition of what is French and what is English changed constantly and, and who was who and who was in charge. And so I wanted to create the kind of geography that would, A, give you something to fight over, you know, some kind of resource or power that, that you know, made that land worth a multi-generational war. Mm-hmm. But that also allowed for that kind of fluid border and fluid national identity so that the people could, you know, we used to belong to this, but now we belong to this because that king won the last war. Um which is different than just I want to have two kingdoms fighting. Um, In my case, I ended up giving them a religious component. There was uh, a religious lake that was central to uh, the religion shared by both of these kingdoms. And so they were kind of fighting over that Dome of the Rock style. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that this belongs to us because it is very important and not to those other terrible people on the other side of the border. Um, And then, you know, figuring out well, okay, well, this is, this is therefore the kind of place that has a lake. What does that signify about the surrounding area? And I love thinking about it in these terms because then once I have a premise, I can spin that out. What are the ramifications of that? What, uh, you know, is this lake used for? If it's religious, do they fish it or is it off limits? And then how is that going to affect the culture? You know, are they going to be a fishing culture or not? And all of those questions can be answered as you follow yourself down the rabbit hole. Um,
2: I want to touch briefly on the idea of biomes. Uh, Next week, we will come back and talk about a fun concept called World world of Hats. This is (laughs) where sometimes a planet will express only one idea, um, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that next week. But I want to talk about the idea of different biomes in your stories, um, because specifically when I started to really get into world-building geography— um, there was so much to learn. In any of these topics we'll be talking about this year, You, we could spend an entire year's <laughs> podcast just on geography. Yeah. Um, as a newbie coming into it, um, I often felt as a fantasy author I needed to have working knowledge of so many different things that sometimes felt overwhelming. Um, when I started to learn about the idea of how biomes interact and why they are where they are— um, That helped me to start to be able to build some of these fantasy worlds and kind of make some sort of shorthands. And so, what are biomes? What do I mean by that? How does that shorthand
1: help? A biome is kind of like, this is a a generalization that a bioscientist would be uh, upset with, but it's kind of like the ecosystem. It is kind of like saying, well, this is a desert biome versus a tundra versus a jungle versus a forest whatever. And it's a really good thing to think about, especially if you're writing fantasy, because we come from such a strong, kind of overpowering tradition of medieval European fantasy that everyone tends to have the rolling hills and forest biome, you know, with maybe some snowy mountain peaks where the barbarians live. I've got a
4: great example of that. I've uh, recently been reading up on uh, the Judean wilderness. Uh, There is a word that they have in Arabic, uh, wadi, which is a dry riverbed. Mm-hmm. And our word for it in English is dry riverbed. Mm. In English, you say this because it's something that your river broke. It's not—the yeah. it's your the river doesn't exist anymore. Something went wrong. In Arabic, it is a word for a feature of the landscape. And so you have the geography directly impacting the language. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is uh, Guadalcanal and Guadalajara get their names from Arabic— uh, Wadi al-Kanal and Wadi al-Khara uh, are the original names of those places. And so in, in reading this, I quickly realized that Arabic geography or Arab peninsula geography mm-hmm. was influencing language and place names where there really weren't that many dry riverbeds. Yeah. Uh, really cool stuff.
3: You know, the other thing one also has to remember is that, you 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 know, when you're also thinking of biomes, you just do not have hills and then you have a desert. And then, you know, there's a lot of, you know, gradual, you know, transition from one to the other. So think of the hybrids as well. Like, you know, the, the, the mountains rolling into foothills, into some kind of a, you know, desert land, and then into the river or the, you know, mm-hmm. seashore or something like that. So don't just think when you're building a biome or when you're thinking of your geography or landscape that, okay, it's just got to have mountains, it's got to have this. Try and do a gradual transition. And that's why sometimes it's necessary to know a lot of stuff and then combine it together to see what is necessary and where your city or your town or your protagonists are located.
1: Yeah. And that's a really good point to make, especially because, you know, not only are we very heavily influenced by old European fantasy, but also by Star Wars. And so we do tend to have this concept of, oh, well, this is the snow planet and this is the desert planet. And those transitional areas are not only more common, but much more interesting. Uh, Utah is a desert, and we have a big, nasty salt lake. But what that salt lake also provides is an incredible salt marsh wetland that's one of the coolest bird preserves in the country. And that often gets forgotten because we're just kind of broad-brushed as a desert. So when you do your research and figure out what all these transitional states are, there's a lot of cool stuff in them.
3: And, and that could actually inform your story or mm-hmm. your character, or it could be a point of, you know— a plot point, conflict, what have you. So, yeah, research that.
4: There's a a quote from Robert De Niro. Actually, I had to look this up. The movie Ronin, 1998. Uh, They're doing this tactical map on a whiteboard and talking about this plan, and De Niro says, the map is not the territory. And they all go out and look at it, and everything changes as they realize that these sight lines are not two-dimensional. This is... And for me, you know, the, having the whiteboard translate to an actual landscape, I realized, oh, all these fantasy maps that I love drawing, which was the thing that I loved drawing in 1998, uh, are not the territory. I'm going to have to go outside mm-hmm. to get a feel for this. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap it up here. Uh, Mahatab, you have homework for us.
3: Yes, I do. Um, normally, when we, you know, when we start describing geography or describing a setting, uh, we tend to rely mostly on our sense of sight. So the the homework for you today is when you, you know, take your setting, your fantasy world, whatever it is, take out the sight out of it and just describe it using sound, smell, taste, and feel. No sight. So for example, if it was a blind person who was describing a setting, how would you do that? And that's,
0: yeah, that's your homework.
2: Excellent. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go
0: write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.